This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It is now 12pm and you are listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. Kia ora everyone, welcome to Connecting Cultures Features, a show by, for and about the multicultural people of Dunedin and New Zealand. Um, so today we have Zainab Mustafa, a really good friend of mine who is also a content creator based in Auckland. Kia ora, Zainab, assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you so much, Ariana, for having me. Um, last 10 days of Ramadan, so Ramadan Kareem and Ramadan Mubarak to everyone listening. And uh, yeah. I've wanted to do this with you for so long, no. but I'm so glad that we got to do this. And during Ramadan, out of all times, you know? I know. I mean, it's the holiest month of the year, you know, like, you know, we had plans. Obviously, Allah is the best of planners. And I mean, what better time to like get together when when Allah's barakah is is just raining down on us? So why not? I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Super, super stoked and excited. And how's your Ramadan so far? My Ramadan has been really like average. <laughs> and I and the thing is, and I, and I say this because I'm actually I wasn't raised here. I wasn't raised in New Zealand. I was raised in Australia, Sydney. Um, and so anyone who lives in Sydney, Australia knows that Ramadan is full on. We have the night markets. We have full masjids, like just that away, like packed to the rim. Um, and there is a specific spot that I really like to pray in, which is Auburn Masjid. Um, it's a Turkish masjid, really beautiful. So for me, just growing up, there are certain elements that make Ramadan Ramadan and New Zealand living in Auckland is obviously a smaller city in comparison to Sydney being this sort of cosmopolitan area. Um, but khair, alhamdulillah, I have a place to, you know, do Ramadan. But um, yeah, it'll always be that comparison in my head. So I'm sorry to the Muslims living in New Zealand, but like uh, Australia has always been sort of home for me. But yeah. Uh, that is so interesting. Like, um I wish I was in Malaysia during Ramadan and Eid. Right? Yeah, it's just different. It's like the vibe, the, um, the, um, like the events that happen, the food (laughs) markets and everything. It's not something that we can have here, which is very sad. (laughs) I I feel you. Like, and I was actually having a conversation with, um, with one of my best mates, Noor, and I was like, yo, like next year, like we should go and spend like a week in Sydney um, for Ramadan. It's just really, you know, just like get into the whole vibe. And I really want to show her that because it's so hard for me to explain what it feels like when you're in a Muslim majority space during Ramadan, during Eid, when there's weddings and stuff like that. And though I never lived in a Muslim country, if you live in like Western Sydney um, in, in Australia, it'll, it's quite close to it, you know, everyone's Muslim. And so, I, yeah, I definitely miss that feeling. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's talk more about, like, your homes and stuff later during the show. Um, yeah. But first, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Of course, of course. I'll start off. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Um, my name is Zainab Mustafa. I'm 22. I am a student. I am half Samoan, half Pakistani. So my mom is from Apia and my dad is from Rawalpindi. Um, hmm, what else about me? Um, 
I'm a content creator online. Um, I do TikTok as well. Um, but in my spare time, I'm somebody who loves and enjoys uh, management. So I am on the NZE team, as in Haid, that we usually do um, twice a year. And so I'm the volunteers manager there. And on the side, I do um, uh, small modeling. Like modeling isn't like a big part of like what I do, but it is a part of what I do. And yeah, I've got so many... I've got so many fingers and so many different kinds of pies. So I'm sort of all over the place. I wouldn't categorize myself as a particular kind of content creator. But if you wanted to, I'm more than happy to just be like a Kiwi content creator because this is where I live. And yeah, so that's me. And you also study. I do study. <laughs> so um, I earlier I talked about like what I do on the side. Um, I do a lot of... Um, just like charity volunteering stuff, but in the department of like management. And so I study event management. I'm a second year student at AUT. I love my uni. I will always claim to love AUT. I don't know. They have a special place in my heart. I feel like if for not AUT, I don't even know if I would have went to uni, to be honest, because my whole uni journey was like so complicated. Like I, it wasn't a straight line for me. Like I did pre, I was going to do law, I did pre-med, I did business, and then I and then I ended up in event management. So it wasn't a straight line for me. It was definitely a journey, but I'm looking to graduate, inshallah, next year. So that's me. That's really good that you mentioned um, that university, it wasn't a straight line for you, because I think uh, a lot of listeners would want to hear that. Because um, mm-hmm. we actually met at Otago. Uh, we- yes, exactly. <laughs> that is literally concrete proof. That's how yeah. you know I'm lying to y'all. <laughs> Guys, that is how you know I'm not lying. Yeah. Um, yeah. What were you doing at Otago? So basically at Otago, I was doing pre-med. So, um, yeah, like growing up, I always thought I was going to do law and then we moved to um, New Zealand and I'm like, I want to do pre-med. I'm a citizen in New Zealand. And to be honest, I wouldn't, it was an idea in my head. I was like, can I make it? Can I not make it? How would I know if I won't try? So I tried. I went to Otago. I stayed there for, I believe, one semester and then I called it quits because I'm like, listen, my personal take was medicine like everyone can try but I don't think it is for everyone I do think it's for people who have like an undying passion love or you have some other kind of great motivator like perhaps you want to be the first in your family or whatever the case is but just personally for me like if your motivation is like money status quo and stuff like that or do business don't 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 do medicine like medicine isn't for people who want money like medicine is for people can you like think about it hypothetically if you think about it can you imagine like going to a family doctor and then realizing that they only were here for the money like how do you know the prescriptions they're giving you is like good how do you know if he's not like i don't know just i don't know imagine um, can you even trust if he's giving you the right prescription absolutely not like you want like a family imagine signing up for eye surgery knowing that that doctor is like he barely made it to med school he only is here for the money i'm bro i'm not walking into that surgery are you crazy are you insane you know so at the same time so it's like that yeah so i'm like you want to be able to you know trust your your healthcare professionals and stuff like that so it only makes sense that the best of the best go through mm-hmm. you know i don't think it's just about being like intelligent i also think it's about like having that desire in you to be like this is actually what i want to do mm-hmm. um and i realized like that that's that just wasn't what that just wasn't me and like 
how do I say this? Like my reasons just weren't good enough. Like my reasons were literally like, can I do this? Can I not do this? Like, and I realized like, that's not a good enough reason. And so I called it quits. But during my time there, I did meet a lot of Muslims. I met, I met Ariana um, through Musa at the time. The president was um, Hamza. And um, what else happened? What else happened? I met so many other people, you know. Um, there's definitely a lot of Muslims de- definitely down at Otago. Um, mm-hmm. There is a really big Afghan community and they were so lovely, so sweet. A lot of them do major in like dentistry or... Um, what's it called health science but are we are we not surprised that honestly let me be real if you walked into the department of like i don't know health science or like medicine or dentistry or whatever i don't even be shocked if you see honestly like all the muslims just in the corner because it's looking like the muslim side of the un when you walk into that department you know what i mean that law engineering we're not surprised but um yeah sorry went on a tangent um but yeah, so I ended up leaving and I came to AUT and I did business and then I switched to event management. And so that's where I am. It was It was definitely a journey. That's amazing, you know, um, and a lot of people can relate to that. They Their first choice isn't like where they are ended up now. Right. So it's totally right. okay. Um, right. So how did you think um, event management was your path? Like, how, how does that feel like? So, basically, I, like, really searched within myself. I'm like, listen, like, what do I want to do? Um, and at the time, it was event management because, you know, so, something that I something that I said is, like, I like to do it in my spare time. Like, when my brothers have their birthday parties, holidays, events, like, I'm at the top of everything. Like, when it comes to, like, set up everything from like catering to set up to decor to design like executing this entire process of of giving this amazing sort of end product if you will is something that like sits well with me and that's something that I've always done um and so I decided like to explore that feeling a little bit more and being like okay like what can I do with this and AUT is the only university that um, allows students to major in event management. So my overarching degree is international hospitality, but my major is event management. Um, there isn't any other university does it, that does that from my understanding. So when I tell people, they get sh- they there get shocked. Like they look at me and they're like, wait, you can study event management? I'm like, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just a lot of people don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and I'm saying this, and I say, uh, and, and I heard, I hope people like heard I said at the time. And to be honest, like I'm someone who doesn't like to live in regret. And I'm always someone who likes to think that when I make a decision, I never regret it. And alhamdulillah, till this day, I've never made a decision and regretted it. However, recently I've been thinking, I'm like, listen, like, is there anything else left in the, in the world of study that I want to accomplish that I haven't tried. And I'm be, to be honest, I'm always like, whether it's like food, whether it's people, whether it's an experience, I always apply the philosophy of if you've never tried it, you never know. So if you go out with me, you know that I've, I, one of the greatest thrills in life is walking into a restaurant 
never been there before, never seen the menu, never seen anything. And I'll just go and I try it. And I think maybe it's part of the extrovert in me that I'll go. I love like meeting random people, like throw me in a space that I don't know anybody. I think I'll come out. I'll come out after five hours of the event. And that's just my personality. So I apply that in my study life. And so I'm at a point where I'm exploring if I want to do like further study. So inshallah, even if I graduate, like when I graduate next year, in my head, I'm like, I think I want to like, I think I want to like maybe do like a postgraduate in like um, international law or like ancient history or something like that. Because those things are really, really important to me. And I like that. So, um, yeah. And I, to be honest, I do want to mention this because I think it's important. And it's basically like, I had like multiple people around me tell me like, oh, like Zainab, like you're getting old. And like, uh, maybe for a lot of nonsense. Excuse me. I Girl. Hold your fire. It's about to get worse. It's about, you think that's bad? Wait for it. It's coming. It's coming. And so the thing is, I just, and I, and I guess it's just like the, the ethnic people around me. I want to, and a lot of my ethnic people will know that like, you're Muslim, you're female, you're 22, you're studying, you're going to graduate. And I'll tell you, I'm 22 and I'm in my second year. I know most 22 year olds have already graduated. They graduated, they're having a job, they're having everything. And but I'm, I always feel like I was like left behind and I felt so guilty and I felt so bad and I felt so like slow and behind everyone um, that I always just, Aslan, I felt like I was nothing. <gasps> and recently I made a new friend, right? And can I just say this person like was like a breath of fresh air and they were like, Zainab, like, why would you say that to yourself? When everyone around me is like, Zainab, you're old, you're 22, da da da, like, you know, go get married, like, you're gonna get married. You know what I mean? Like, it's just this negative kind of. I don't, I don't even know if I want to say negative because that's all they know. Do you know what I mean? Like, when someone, when a group of ethnic people keep saying things and things and things, for us it might be negative, but for them, it, that's their whole world. That's all that they know. Yeah. So I don't hold it against them. Like, if that's all that they know and know what to say, then. Um, then like, can I be mad at them because they're so limited? Like their knowledge is limited. It's their culture as well. It's their culture, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole world. Like they don't know anything else. So that's why I don't hold it against them. But obviously it gets to my head, you know? And I'm like, oh, like, am I slow? Like, am I behind? And I've heard that multiple times. Like, oh, you should have been graduated by now. Or like, you could have had a job by now. Or like, you could have been married by now. You could have... All, I know, I know all these things just in my head. And to be honest, like, yeah. And like, that's been like the state of my mind for like the last like two years, three years, I guess. And, but then I met a friend, made a friend this year. And just like I said, just a breath of fresh air. And they were like, Zainab, you're young. And that was the first time I ever heard that. Like, Zainab, you're young. You're like 22. You have your whole life ahead of you in 10 years if you want to achieve an extra learning degree because you think you want to do it. You can do it. In 10 years, you can have like your master's, your PhD, if that's your dream. Because I was telling them that I wanted to potentially do extra study, but I felt old. And then I was like, and I also said, you know, I feel like I'm like behind and I'm 22 and I'm still in uni. And like, they were like, yo, 
slap yourself. Okay, <laughs> something wrong with you. And mm-hmm. and and I and I quote, they were like, "That's all cap, Zaina. That's all in your head. And if you have this mindset that you're too old, then like you won't be able to like achieve anything. Like you won't exactly. be able to like progress." And I was like, "Oh, actually." And I promise you, like. And, and, and subhanallah, like, I know a lot of people might be thinking, Zainab, like, you could have thought about that by yourself. But when someone else says it to you and they come from a place of love and care, it's a whole game changer. So it definitely changed my perspective. And I've been thinking about it a lot, which I think I think goes back to the importance of, like, like you surround yourself by people that at the end of the day, they, they mirror what you want or they, they mirror goodness, you know? And so I, I definitely understood that after that. I think I realized at that point that I wasn't surrounding myself with the best people. Mm. Um, Good yeah. for you oh, for realizing that. I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm no, this is, show. <laughs> no, this is so, so important. Like, um, sometimes detentions are like the best things that we can talk about, you know? It doesn't right, have to go. Right. Yeah. But, oh my God, thank you so much for sharing that. I think a lot of girls and women need to hear that like mm-hmm. um like for people in my culture when you're 23 24 and if you're not married yet people will question um yeah it's the it's the it's a cultural thing actually it's like um mm-hmm. yeah for ethnic people ethnic women muslim women especially mm-hmm. there is mm-hmm. still that stigma that you know so. marriage is <laughs> the way to go exactly, exactly. Yeah. and i just and i wanted to like uh okay you know what i will say this because some people might be like oh Zena, but like obviously all your female friends will support you and say that no my, my friend is a male and i think that is the thing that kind of shocked me because i was like wait there are like muslim guys in this world that like don't mind if like a girl is like over the age of like a typical uni age and wants to like engage in further study and blah 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 and like yes there are actually guys out there who are super supportive and super uh, yeah like I said Muslim there are Muslim guys out there and I I think oh wait is my hold on sorry one second yeah which which hopefully I'm like maybe if not in this podcast maybe another one that we can talk about sort of the dynamics of Muslim men because I, I think a lot of girls are losing hope, especially in New Zealand. They're like, Zainab, there's she's like, Zainab, there's more sheep here than good eligible Muslim men. So <laughs> and I'm just like, girl, girl, let me tell you something. I feel like you're looking in the right places, but khair, inshallah. But yeah, I just wanted to be like there there are people in this world that actually do support you. So yeah. Have faith, you know, have faith and I truly believe in that. Hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Zainab. Oh, not at all, not at all. Um, I should so much. Yeah. Let's talk about your cultural identity. That's something I've always wanted to talk to you about because you are oh, half oh, Samoan oh. and half Pakistani. Yes, that is so yeah. interesting. That is like, wow, a combination, you know? Like, honestly, yeah. like, I'm a fruit salad up in this place. Like, that's <laughs> basically what's going on. Um, in terms of cultural identity, and to be honest, like, I love this question mm. because it's something that I'm super proud of. I think at 22 years old, someone born in 1999, I know a lot of people who are born in that sort of year bracket that they have a lot of, like, identity crises. You know, it's difficult for them to pinpoint 
who they are, what they are. And I know this by asking. I always test them. You want to know my testing question? I always go, where are you from? And they're like, California. And I'm like, oh, okay. They're one of those. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so this is just my personal perspective. I don't hate you if, if I ask you where you're from. Like, for example, if you are clearly... If you are clearly Japanese, like you were speaking Japanese to your mom two seconds ago and I asked you, I'm like, yo, where are you from? And you reply, oh, I'm from Wellington. Okay, great. So, and I think to be, that's for me is just a marker. And so to answer your question, the way I see my cultural identity, it's strictly cultural though. It's not nine, it's not a hundred, it's not my whole, it's not my whole identity. So Yes, I'm Pakistani. Yes, I'm Samoan. But that's my DNA. I grew up in Sydney, Australia. I studied in New Zealand. And now I live in Auckland. So there's a lot of mixes going on. Um, but how you identify us, if you identify yourself mostly by where you grew up, then I think you're going to have a crisis. And this is just my personal thing. I think there's so much that can encompass you as an identity, like where you've traveled, your experiences. And it's not just limited to like your hometown of where you grew up for, for like 25 years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that's important. Um, but going back to cultural identity, was there something specific that you wanted me to like open up and point out about? Or Well, this, we're going to the right uh, direction. Um, so... You mentioned that, you know, you have this view of what cultural identity is. So yeah. if someone asks you, where are you from? What would you answer? I always answer with I'm half Samoan, I'm half Pakistani. And that has always been my answer. And I'm very proud to say that. And I'm also very proud to say that, alhamdulillah, I've never had an identity crisis. I've never felt like I've never belonged. I never felt like, oh, I'm like the outsider. Oh, I'm like, no, absolutely not like... And I see a lot of Muslim people, Muslim and non-Muslim, um, young people who are like, oh, I have an identity crisis. Like, I don't know where I fit. I don't know where I belong. And this might sound a little bit harsh, but it's okay. I'm, I'm known for being a little bit harsh because I'm a bit straightforward. And so my straightforward response would be like, before anything, you're Muslim. And I'm speaking from a Muslim lens. So I'm speaking to my to the Muslim audience. Before anything, you're Muslim. I think when you take religion out of the equation, when you take faith out of the equation, you have problems. So growing up in my household, it was very apparent that Zainab, before anything, you are Muslim. So you are not more Samoan than more Pakistani or more Pakistani than more Samoan. Absolutely not. So in our house, that was the number one thing. And even though my mom wasn't born Muslim, she is way more into the faith than my dad, even though my dad is born Muslim. And everyone knows that about reverts. Reverts take their religion a lot more seriously. They're a lot more grateful. But in saying that, there wasn't your more this and your more that. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. It makes sense in theory that we spent more time with my dad's family because they're Muslim. Um, for example, with my mom's family, they eat pork and they drink alcohol and we can't do those things in social activities. Um, but yeah, just because I spend more time with my dad's family doesn't mean that I am closer to my Pakistani side. Absolutely not. In fact, 
a lot of people think that I'm Arab when they meet me, which is so funny. People actually assume that they they assume so much. They're like, where in the Middle East are you from? And I'm just like, first of all, I'm actually I'm actually touched that you think I'm Middle Eastern, but I'm not even Middle Eastern. Like I'm from two completely different areas. And and yeah, so because like I said, I grew up in Sydney, my friends were like Lebanese, Syrian, Iraqi, Kurds, you know what I mean? So I mean it's interesting. And yeah, so I always first identify myself. I am Muslim before anything. And then if they're like, oh, where are you from? Like, oh, my mom's Samoan, my dad's Pakistani. That's Pakistani. And they're like, oh, wow. I've never gotten where are you from from. And I'm just like, if someone has to say where are you from from, that means that you didn't hit the nail on the head. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, unless obviously like you are, I guess like Anglo, your ancestors are Anglo-Saxon. So that means like you came from Britain and you lived in New Zealand and generation, generation. I feel like, okay, sure, you can say, you know, this is where I'm from. But, and this is just my take on it. And I 100% agree if there's people that disagree with me, so be it. But if people are asking you where are you from from, you got yourself a problem because then now you have to explain yourself. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's just me. That's so interesting. Um, so growing up, have you always felt at peace with um, your identities? A hundred percent. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. I thank Allah in the heavens um, because, yeah, I know that the, I know that everyone's being tested in their different ways. Not to say I don't have a test, but I'm so glad that that wasn't my test because what happens is that when you have kids that are growing up, they have an identity crisis they tend to hang out with the wrong crowd. They tend to try too hard. They tr- they tend to substitute elements of their culture and they try to substitute elements of their faith, which I think is even more problematic because you want to make Islam more westernized and more friendly just because you feel you're left out. I think it's important. And I will never blame the kids because I don't think you can blame children. I think what it is is unfortunately all parents are first-time parents there is no parent in this world that has been a parent in their past life so every parent tries to parent their kids to the best of their ability in the environment that they're thrown in most ethnic families are immigrant families so not only they leave their home you have to come to the west and you have to adapt so how you raise your kids and this is personally something that's very important to me i think i think cultural identity has a lot to do with the way that immigrant parents parent their children Mm. what are you teaching them what are you instilling in them and something that I'm very very proud of is like something that I will do is I will parent my kids the way that my parents parented me and I don't know how many people can claim that but I'm very very grateful alhamdulillah we you know we might not have all the riches in the world and we might not be the status of the status but I will claim and say that I love the way my parents parent and I will do the same with my kids. And one of the most important thing is that you instill in your children that in this world, you are Muslim. In this world, you are designed to be special. You're designed to stand out. There is going to be ifs and buts and maybes and whatever the case is. Um, and it's about like, <laughs> it's about like, giving your kids the training wheels to survive in this world if you know what I mean um and when you're growing when you're growing up in a society and environment that has like I guess 
I guess like they mirror your values. So one of the reasons I would say confidently, alhamdulillah, why I don't have an identity crisis is because of where I was raised. I was raised in Sydney, Australia, where for the longest time, I thought it was like a Muslim majority space. Like it is a Muslim majority space, but I was like, yo, I'm in a Muslim country, you know, like growing up, like in my brain, yeah. like that's, that's just what it was. I'm like, bro, there's bare Muslims. Like I am all my neighbors, Muslim Muslims, all the shops down to the end of the street, they were all Muslim. There was not a single white person in my neighborhood. Everyone was either Arab, Fijian, Indian, Pakistani. And so specifically I was like in um, uh, Mount Druid, so like Blacktown and it's just all brown. And the a school I went to, the madrasa I went to, the swimming pool I went to, everyone was just like Muslim. Everyone was wearing hijab. Everyone was Muslim. So in what capacity am I going to feel left out? I felt like more felt more than anything. I felt like there was no way for me to stand out. Like I was just blending in with a whole bunch of people because I was in that environment. Mm. So I, so when I say that, it really does go back to parenting and being in a Muslim environment isn't good enough. I think like good home parenting is really really crucial so um yeah so being in a muslim space having parents that are very involved involved meaning like they're involved in like your like emotional social intelligence they're not involved to the point that like they make you feel uh they're invading your space uh i never felt that my parents are invading my space at all they're very big on like freedom trust and privacy um so, but they were very involved in like emotionally and socially. They were like, you know, how are you going to deal with these problems? Can you problem solve? Can you deal with people? Can you interact with people? Can you negotiate? Can you communicate? Can you handle yourself in public? Um, do you have all these skills to be dealing with different kinds of people? And my my parents were very, very invested, especially my father. So it was really important that like he raised kids that would have skills to deal in the real world, even if he was to take us out of that Muslim majority space, which we did because we mm-hmm. ended up moving to New Zealand and there's just bare white people. Um, sorry, I don't want to say that. There's bare European, um, Caucasian or Anglo-Saxon people. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. I went on a tangent again. But <laughs> no, this is all good. I've been going on three tangents since we started. I swear it's only been like 30 minutes, 36 minutes. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Zainab, for sharing with us. It's a very interesting take on um, cultural identity. Personally, I've never heard um that side of um and it's always good to listen to different opinions i think i really appreciate you sharing that Uh, it makes me think about you know the conversations i've had with other people as well and like my own personal cultural identity yeah um we might go on a song break you brought songs for us today oh did i you did um do you want to share with us one of the songs so we can play uh, okay, so one of them actually, since we're in the Holy Spirit, uh, we're in the Holy Month of Ramadan, I'm actually sharing with you my favorite reciter of all time. His name is Sheikh um, Nurin. Um, Allah Yarham. He passed away, I believe, two years ago, so he's not alive anymore. But his recitation is beautiful, and the and he's Sudanese, right? So the Sudanese way of reciting is just beautiful, and it's my favorite. So uh, get ready to listen. Mm. So we'll be right back after the song break. والذي أخرج الذين كفروا من أهل الكتاب من ديرهم لأول الحشر 
ما ظننتم أن يخرجوا وظنوا أنهم مانعتهم حصونهم من الله فأتاهم الله من حيث لم يحتسموا وقذف في قلوبهم الرعب يخربون بيوتهم بأيديهم وأيدي المؤمنين فاعتبروا يا أولي الأبصير ولولا أن كتب الله عليهم الجلاء لعذبهم في الدنيا ولهم في الآخرة عذاب النير ذلك بأنهم شاقوا الله ورسوله ومن يشاق الله فإن الله شديد العقاب ما قطعتم من ليلة أو تركتموها قائمة على أصولها فبإذن الله فبإذن الله وليخزي الفاسقين وما أفاء الله على رسوله منهم فما أوجفتم عليه فما أوجفتم عليه من خيل ولا ركاب ولكن الله يسلط رسله على من يشاء والله على كل شيء قدير ما أفاء الله على رسوله من أهل القرى فلله وللرسول فلله وللرسول ولذي القربى واليتامى والمساكين وبن السبيل كي لا يكون دولة بين الأغنياء منكم وما آتاكم الرسول فخذوه وما نهاكم عنه فانتهوا واتقوا الله إن الله شديد العقاب للفقراء المهاجرين الذين أخرجوا من ديارهم وأموالهم يبتغون فضلا من الله ورضوانا وينصرون الله ورسوله أولئك هم الصادقون والذين تبوأوا الدار والإيمان من قبلهم يحبون من هاجر إليهم ولا يجدون في صدورهم حاجة مما أوتوا ويؤثرون على أنفسهم ولو كان بهم خصاصة ومن يوق شح نفسه فأولئك هم المفلحون والذين جاءوا من بعدهم يقولون ربنا اغفر لنا ولإخواننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين آمنوا ربنا إنك رؤوف رحيم ألم تر إلى الذين نافقوا يقولون لإخوانهم الذين كفروا من أهل الكتاب لئن أخرجتم لنخرجن معكم ولا نطيع فيكم أحدا أبدا وإن قوتلتم لننصرنكم 
والله يشهد إنهم لكاذبون لئن أخرجوا لا يخرجون معهم ولئن قوتلوا لا ينصرونهم ولئن نصروهم ليولن الأدبار ثم لا ينصرون لأنتم أشد رهبة في صدورهم من الله ذلك بأنهم قوم لا يفقهون لا يقاتلونكم جميعا إلا في قرى محصنة أو من وراء جدير بأسهم بينهم شديد تحسبهم جميعا وقلوبهم شتى ذلك بأنهم قوم لا يعقلون كمثل الذين من قبلهم قريبا ذاقوا وبال أمرهم ولهم عذاب أليم كمثل الذين من قبلهم قريبا ذاقوا وبال أمرهم ولهم عذاب أليم كمثل الشيطان إذ قال للإنسان اكفر فلما كفر قال إني بريء منك إني أخاف الله رب العالمين فكان عاقبتهما أنهما في النار خالدين فيها وذلك جزاء الظالمين يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله ولتنظر نفس ما قدمت لغد واتقوا الله إن الله خبير بما تعملون ولا تكونوا كالذين نسوا الله فأنساهم أنفسهم أولئك هم الفاسقون لا يستوي أصحاب النير وأصحاب الجنة أصحاب الجنة هم الفائزون لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيته خاشعا لرأيته خاشعا متصدعا من خشية الله وتلك الأمثال نضربها للناس لعلهم يتفكرون هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح له ما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم And we're back on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM. I'm here with Zainab Mustafa. Hello. Hey. <laughs> so we were talking a lot about random things, but also um, your cultural identity and your studies. And there's so many parts of you that I still want to talk about. 
100 percent. let's go <laughs> um so you are a content creator firstly um how would you define that so i would define content creator as literally somebody who's focus on social media is to really generate content about things that are important to them maybe a message that they want to share maybe maybe it's art that they're into maybe it's fashion maybe it's uh cooking maybe it's life hacks or maybe it's an educator wanting to just share more about what they do whether it's to motivate others maybe maybe it's to help others but essentially the focus is on creating content for that purpose um and that's just something that i identify myself with on social media um earlier we talked about sort of the differences between a content creator and an influencer and I personally really dislike the word influencer. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get offended if someone you know says, "Oh my God, Zainab, the influencer." But what I would do is, I always turn around. I'm like, "Listen, I'm not an influencer, but if you wanted to categorize me as somebody, call me a content creator." Um, because when I say that's my actual job, like th- that's my actual job. Like I'm a student. And I do create content for my personal Instagram, but I'm also creating, I create content for AUT. So AUT has a TikTok and that's what I do. And then on the side, I'm a social media manager for um, a different entity. So if people are wondering, like, Zainab, what's your actual job? I'm like, yo, that's my actual job. Like, I I feel like uni is just a side hustle at this point. Like uni is like, eh, and then it's more just like content creator. And like, I am sorry. Maybe that's why like I reply late to my lecturer's emails and I probably shouldn't admit to that, but like I'll admit to that. Um, But yeah, so yeah. And I think in the beginning of my journey, the focus was perhaps solely just modest fashion, but I've definitely evolved over the last year and decided to take, I guess more of a wider route. And I don't know if I, whatever I just said made sense, but it makes sense in my head. So I'm not strictly sticking to like modest fashion. Sometimes I go into like the department of like restaurants and cafes and foods. Sometimes I go into sort of a more spiritual department. So I'm, I'm a big reader. I love to read. Um, I'm very old school. So I share a lot of the books that I like. Um, and that's something that I'm uh, that I'm very very interested in as well. Um, I also do a lot of like social media consultancy on the side. So if there there are like people who are starting up their brands on social media and they're like, what should I do? A B C D F G. I'm like, listen, this is you know X Y Z is what you should do. This is what I recommend. Um, so I do a couple things. And that's why I would just stick with just content creator and I wouldn't put myself in a box because I'm not just in one box. I find myself in multiple boxes at this point. But yeah. No, that is amazing. For someone who is like not in that space, that is a really good overview to understand what you actually do. Yeah. Um, 
And I hate when people ask, like, "Oh, what's your real job?" You know, it is a real job. Yeah, so I'm like, bro, I have money in the bank. <laughs> I, I'm sure you. That's what a real job categorizes as. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah uh, that's amazing. Um, so you. Uh, at first, you did like modest wear, modeling, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that was my focus. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, if people are curious, like, they end up like, why did you like branch out? Like, why didn't you just kind of focus on your own niche? And that is definitely like the message that's being sent out. Anyone who who is involved in social media on that content creator level, they will know that it's sort of this unwritten rule to like stick within your niche. Like if you were interested in like baking, cooking or whatever, like you stick within your baking box. Like you don't really branch out into other things. And I mean, for reasons such as like maintaining a good audience and like fav- and having the algorithm favor you and stuff like that. It's for those reasons. But like, I can't help but be that person who's always interested in so many different things. And I can't help be that person will never allow one thing to define me and that's my thing i am literally a multitude of things and if imagine imagine someone defining you on social media because of the one thing that you do like that's like that's lame and like (laughs) i'm sorry it's just like i don't know maybe it's just the dna in me like i'm a fruit salad inside and my personality is a fruit salad and i'm drawn to so many different things so it's hard for me to just niche down and be like oh this is the one thing um and and i guess part i don't know i guess something that i wanted to touch on it is in the space of content creation and it's one of the reasons why i decided to perhaps even just like i guess test the waters of sort of that spiritual domain so yes I'm in this like modest realm so modest fashion realm kind of thing but I wanted to kind of maybe go towards something that was a bit more spiritual and um when I say spiritual I mean there's a lot of great content creators out there that do a lot of spiritual and one of them her name is um homie um she is I believe like church I think she used to be in Germany, but now she's in Turkey. She's doing like further Islamic studies than Quran and Arabic. Um, amazing content creator, huge on TikTok, um, and and even more so on Instagram. And I followed her for a very very long time. And I guess it, it just like tapped into my soul that like simply being a content creator and making money is just not good enough for me. And no matter like how many offers come through the door, no matter how many collabs come through the door, it doesn't give me a feeling of complete fulfillment and satisfaction. And I'll be completely honest. I think when a lot of people think about influencers and content creators, they think, you know, it's the glitz and the glamour and the money and you should be happy and whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, I'll be very honest. It's not like as soon as I saw like my follow account on Instagram change and change and change and change, like, I felt more content having a thousand followers than I do now. It's not to say that I'm not happy because that's a, that's, that'll be the biggest lie. Like I am happy, but being content and satisfied, I think is different from surface happiness. Surface happiness means like, are you proud of it? I'm hundred percent proud of my following. I'm a hundred percent like wowed, but do I feel satisfied? Do I feel content? Like in my heart and my soul. And, and I'll be very honest with you. I didn't for a long time. And um, I found myself like for months and months just thinking about it. I'm like, listen, like, but why don't I feel like satisfied? Mm-hmm. And something that I realized was 
I need to like switch my focus. You know what I mean? Um, I can't just make my process of content creation about me, 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 I, 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 what I'm doing, what I want. I'm like, what am I doing that's going to like, I don't know, benefit other people in the long run. And when I mean benefit, I mean even the smallest thing, even if it means like $5 of a deal that I get that goes to a charity of my choice, Mm. I should be satisfied. But that's not something that, that's not something that I'm doing. So I guess when we talk about content create, and that's that's another reason why I want to, I like the word content creator because I just feel like the term influencer sounds a bit narcissistic. And I'm not saying that they all are, but I'm saying that it just holds a lot of connotations that I don't gravitate towards. And I wouldn't consider that word for me. And so, yeah, and I guess this, and I don't know how many other content creators or influencers out there feel like a sort of emptiness. And I felt an emptiness for a hot minute. And I'm like, why do I feel empty though? I'm like, I'm working, like there's deals, there's offers, like, but what, what's going on? And that was what's going on. Mm. And I really had to search within myself. I'm like, can I do something that's going to like do more than me? Like I need to be th- doing things that are bigger than me, bigger than what I want. And it can't be me, 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 I, I, I. Otherwise it sells the argument that social media is very, because essentially, essentially people can argue that social media is very narcissistic. You take photos of yourself. It's this, it's that, it's whatever, whatever. And that's a lot of the argument that I love like extreme and the, a lot of the extremists have, they're like, it's this, it's that. And I'm like, listen, like one extreme is is being that, I think. Mm. And the other extreme is not taking advantage of a platform that's available to you. It's honestly like a knife, to be honest. Like you can use a knife to butter your bread. You can use a knife to stab people. So it just depends on essentially how you do and what you do. And so that's And so that's why I really like the term content creator, because it gives me... It gives me essentially a good space to define myself. Yeah. And and, it, and in many ways it's possible. Um, but yeah, so that I guess that's just where my headspace is at in terms of making sure that I feel satisfied and fulfilled as a human being on a spiritual level when it comes to being a content creator. I, th- I think with other people, they might not care maybe for people who don't have a faith or who don't have a religion, it might be a little bit difficult for them to understand where I'm coming from. And they're like, Oh, but Zainab, like, why don't you just separate faith from what you do? Oh, son, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to do that. I'm like, bro, That's I a very wear interesting question. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I wear this every single day. My name is Zainab. My surname is Mustafa. I'm literally like, when I step out the house, nothing about me says that I can separate like what I do for my faith and they're always together and I want people to always remember it. And like, I've been put in situations where people have asked me to like do things in the name of social media that was contradictory to my faith. And actually it was the first offer that came through the door. So when I decided to take social media very seriously, I had an offer come through, like, can you promote these products? And the products were not, were not representative of Islam, celebrate celebrating events that 
aren't Islamic at all. Mm. And mind you, that was but that was my first deal. And you don't understand how annoyed I was. <laughs> I was so annoyed because I was like, first of all, why the frick does my first deal have to be so complicated? Like, why couldn't I get like a nice deal for like, I don't know, like, I don't know, like Nivea sends me a bunch of like cream products and I can just use Nivea, like do that. Why can't I get something easy? Like, why yeah. did I have to get something so difficult? And I sat there and I, and I always consult, like, like I said, I'm an extrovert, right? And my dad is the other extrovert, but my dad's like very, very knowledgeable when it comes to these things. So mm-hmm. I had like a council meeting with my dad and I was like, well, listen, this is what's going on. And um, like, what do you think I should do? And it's then- It's a test for you. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, it's a test, you know? Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> and my dad was just like, you know, subhanAllah, like, this is this is basically a test and so it depends how you want to take it and like my dad's the kind of guy he will never like tell me exactly what to do he'll be like this is what I think this is what's going on at the end of the day like you make the decision and that's how it's always been in my family so Mm -hmm. he gave me his two cents he's like go back and reflect and think what you want to do and I thought about it to myself and I was just like you know what like in what capacity like who do I think I am to think that I can like negotiate my values and morals Mm. or just a simple brand collab like hell no Mm. like absolutely not and I and it goes back to the thing that like I was raised with which is like you guys are Muslim like you guys you guys are going to be different and you guys should be different and I've heard this argument over and over and over again in 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 um in life which Mm. is you know what? Muslims are like Muslims are like you and me. Like we are all the same. We are all together. You know. And I'm sitting here just like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how many Muslims know this, but it's actually advised in in our faith to make it to make it known and clear to the rest of the world that we're different. Like we wear a hijab, we observe modesty, we pray five times a day. What part of our faith says that we're like the rest of the world? And I don't know anybody who, like anybody like on a like on a social media level who is saying what I'm saying. Some people might be like, no, Zaina, but like, you know, we're all the same. But I'm like, no, my love, please listen to me, listen to me. Like, I think people need to take a lot of pride in who they are and that's one of the reasons why I was like, you know what? No. And I, and I sent them an email and I was like, unfortunately, I was just like, unfortunately, did I say unfortunately? I can't remember. Maybe I did say unfortunately. <laughs> I said, unfortunately, I'm sorry. I just, I can't do this with you because it, it doesn't, it doesn't correlate with like my religion and stuff like that. So I'm going to have to say no. Mm-hmm. And I said no. And I'm not going to lie. I felt very like, I felt very annoyed I was like, why did my first deal have to be like that? Mm. And I think later on, maybe like a week's time or something, Mm. I got another deal that didn't, that didn't like, that didn't like clash. And that's Rosaki. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much, Zaina, for sharing with us your journey. I think it's very important that you were very vulnerable and, you know, there may be young uh, content creators out there who want to hear more about what you do. Um, So before we end the show, can you share us um, how people can find you? 
Sure, of course. So if you guys are interested and like connecting, um, definitely um, Salam, it's Zainab on Instagram. So that's S-A-L-A-M-I-T-S, Z-A-I-N-A-B on Instagram. Um, And then you can also find me on TikTok with the exact same username. Mm. Um, But that's me. So I'm looking forward to connecting with whoever wants to connect. Super excited. Awesome. Thank you so much, Zena, for being here today. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Definitely looking forward to linking up again. Thanks for listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.